It's great to have you in worship today. And uh, when we look in Galatians and we look at a topic that I think most of us, when we think of freedom, we automatically go kind of to what we know and what we experience. I mean, when I look at the word freedom, whether that's in the New Testament or whether that's in something I'm reading, I'm thinking, United States, we're free. We have freedom, uh, and that, uh, that comes in. We have this sense of patriotism. By the way, if you're a veteran, make sure that you submit your photo to us uh, by November. What's the date, November? November the 6th. We've got a special service uh, designed for you uh, on, that, on that evening, uh, so to speak, that's going to be a whole focus on praying for our country, praying for the election on that Tuesday. Uh, but we want to recognize you uh, because really we have the freedom that we have in that sense in this nation because of people like you who have served this great nation. But when we think of freedom, we tend to go immediately to thinking about United States and freedom. And for the Apostle Paul, uh, you know, he didn't live in the United States, and uh, nor did New Testament Jews or New Testament Christians. Uh, they were in a Roman Empire uh, where you render under Caesar what Caesar's. He is the ruler. He is the God for the most part for the people who were Roman citizens. And so you have to be careful. You had freedom, but limited freedom. And what I want to suggest to you is that the struggle for the early church, and I think it's a struggle for us today, is that we carry over our preconceived notions of what freedom is, and we carry that over into the gospel. And we think that freedom means different things. Freedom does not mean that we have the freedom to do anything that we want to do. Uh, in other words, you come to Christ, and now because you've accepted Christ, you've, you've rid yourself of all the other uh, issues that are tying you down, and you're free to live life however you choose. You are an autonomous person. You can live however you want to. And really, I guess if you, wanna, if you want one of those uh, 50 cent GRE words, uh, autonomy or freedom, as we come to understand it, it really is a paradox when it comes to the gospel. And what that means is, it sounds good, but it means a lot more. When we throw off those things that are entangling us and enslaving us, namely we would call that in our Christian experience sin, when we're free, when we, th- we have the freedom, we're away from that bondage or that yoke of slavery to sin, freedom in Christ means that we are transitioning from that yoke that's upon us that was burdensome to the yoke of Christ. So we really need to understand freedom spiritually as we are free from the bondage of sin, we're free from the implications of sin, we're free from the damage that sin causes, and now we are taking a new yoke upon us. We are going to make Christ the Lord of our life. That's why when Jesus said, take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light, because what he puts upon us, the calling of our lives, makes life much better. If you want to have and you want to excel in this life, it's not about being individually free in yourself. It's about being freed up to do the things that God has ultimately called us to. To live in the life of Christ, to flourish before him, to live within the parameters of the Christian experience, God God knows that that means we will have the best life. So, uh, you know, when Apostle Paul talks about freedom, when we are free in Christ, we have the freedom to make a choice. We can choose Him or we can choose to do something else. We can choose to follow and be obedient of Scripture or we can choose to go against that. We can make the right decision or we can make the wrong decision. In the New Testament church, Paul's initial audience 
They were struggling because they believed that really what Christ did, we still need to be true to the law because for generations, fulfillment in God's eyes, or they believed that fulfillment in God's eyes was fulfilling the law, doing good things, paying attention to thou shalt do this, thou shalt not do that. And their life experience, their spiritual experience was caught up in living out that law. The problem with that is, and we know this, how many of us are perfect in what we do in following the law? If, in fact, if we look at Scripture and we just take the Ten Commandments, just the Ten Commandments, not the other uh, over almost 600 laws, but if we just take the Ten Commandments, we will recognize that we almost break all of them. What do you think about that? I mean, go through it all. How many of us have taken the Lord's name in vain? Uh, most of us. How many of us have committed adultery? Probably most of you say, well, no, wait a minute. Remember the, remember the ethic of Jesus. Jesus, you know, the law would say, if you're physically involved with someone. But you see, Jesus turns out on the end and said, no, 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 no. Even if you've had the desire in your heart to sin, it's really the same difference when it comes to your standing before God. So when we look at sin, when we look at the, the Old Testament, when we look particularly at the Ten Commandments, we don't match up to any of them. You say, well, I've never, I've never put a Buddha in my house. I worship God and Him alone. Well, you don't have to put a Buddha in your house to be serving another God. All you have to do is have something, someone, or something take precedence over your spiritual life that's equal to or more important in a season than what your leadership to God is. So Paul writes, this freedom, this freedom frees us from the law. And understanding, the understanding is that we recognize that we're not going to measure up to it, and so therefore we accept this new yoke of life or this new, this new envisioned thing that Jesus inaugurated or Jesus has started, and we're taking His plan upon us. We're taking something, in other words, the wheel that doesn't roll, the wheel that doesn't work, the wheel that is broken, and we're exchanging it for something, the wheel that does work, the wheel that brings life, the wheel that makes us whole. And that's a life in Christ. So when we are free, we're not enslaved to the things that formerly troubled us. That doesn't mean that we don't struggle with sin or we don't struggle with problems, but we have a new perspective. If we're not careful, however, uh, we, uh, we will talk about, and as Christians, many of us would say today, if I ask, you say, well, I'm a follower of Jesus. I've accepted Christ. You say, I, you know, I'm, I'm no longer a slave to sin. You say that, and what we are is, is this. Many of us proclaim freedom, but practice slavery. We proclaim it, but when you peel back the onion, when you look at our lives, we still are enslaved to the very things that have defined us even before we accepted Christ. Now, why is that? Well, that's true because we've not trusted in the provision that God has given. I got a letter this week from, from someone in the community that uh, is struggling, and they said, they said in this letter, it's a beautifully written letter, they said in this letter, you know, I have problems trusting God. And uh, the issue for me is, I think everybody, uh, you know, first of all, I want to say to that person, if they're listening today, you're not alone. Everybody has trouble with trust. 
And what we want, we want, our desire is to trust God. Our desire is to lean into the gospel of Christ. Our desire is to be fulfilled in Him. But when push comes to shove, sometimes we struggle with our ability to let go and allow God to have sovereign rule over our lives. I mean, we don't want to go to hell. We, we, you know, we're, we're willing to do whatever it takes not to get to hell. But as the same true for the gospel, they didn't want to go to hell either. They want to fulfill in Christ and they only relied on what they knew. What they knew was the law. And so many of us, we go on what we know and we're a generation that's information overload. We think we know everything. And so when it comes to freedom, we have this idea and this visual thing in our mind of what freedom is. And I'm going to tell you, freedom is not always what we think it is to be. Many of us proclaim freedom, but practice slavery. We're enslaved to our jobs. We're enslaved to our possessions. We're enslaved to our habits. We're enslaved to our debt. Freedom in Christ means we are free getting out of the bondage of those things and pursuing allegiance to the one that really matters. Now, the other problem with freedom is when we talk about freedom in Christ, we unpack that a bit and we think, well, freedom in Christ means as an individual before God... I'm secure in Him. And it's not just that we should have freedom in Christ. It's freedom from the things that have tied us down. It's freedom for Christ to do His will. It's freedom to Christ and to others as we love them, as we practice our faith. Because what the Bible says here in Galatians chapter 5 is, all that matters is faith expressing itself in love. If you look at verse 6 of the passage... He says, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. In other words, neither the law or against the law has any value. What matters, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And that leads to all different types of Christians. Some Christians believe that the freedom that we've been given to share our faith and love is meant to strictly evangelize people. Just give them Jesus. We don't care how they live. We don't care whether they have food. We don't care whether they have running water. Let's just fly in, share the gospel, and be done. Other churches have gone the other extreme and they've embodied what I would call a social gospel ministry started uh, probably under the early 20th century by a man by the name of Walter Rosenbusch. If you don't know that name, Google it. Uh, great ideas, but here's the thing. God has not called us merely to take on the social issues of our day. Now, we can talk about social justice. We can talk about racial equality. We can talk about economic equality. Let's just take one example, uh, one thing for example. For instance... It is the duty of a Christian to be concerned about the pay of women, not only in our country, but in our lives. A woman should make the same amount as a man. Why? Not because I am for being a do-gooder. I'm not going to pursue that politic or I'm not going to pursue that ideology because I'm attempting to be good or do good. I'm going to pursue that ideology because the gospel says that in Christ, neither male nor female. We are one in Him. The gospel must be the center and inform my positions, my behavior, my ethics, what I'm passionate about and what I do. Because there are, listen, there are a lot of churches that do a lot of great things. Uh, for instance, 
I know churches that will go around the world doing, and I'm passionate about water projects, that will go around the world doing water projects. They'll go around the world uh, talking, uh, battling racism or genocide and, and take up this cause or that cause and, uh, or providing shoes for people or providing clothing or whatnot. And listen, all those things are great. But the gospel isn't merely interested in improving people's lives socially or economically, the gospel is interested in transforming all lives at all levels of commitment so that we all are fulfilled and freed in Christ. Now, there's a man that has worked for years uh, in South America. He was a leader in what's called a liberation theology movement of the oppressed people in South America. His name is Gustavo Gutierrez. And he gave his life for the purposes of advancing causes socially in South America. But when you read his work, one of his greatest works is a theology of liberation. It sounds great, but here's the thing. Our call by Christ is not merely to meddle in social affairs. We only stand to change social affairs to the extent that the gospel is at the center of them. Our purpose in going to do Operation Christmas Child, our purpose in doing the Christmas boxes that Martha Laws heads up here in the next couple of weeks. By the way, if you haven't signed up for that, I encourage you to do that. They need help. Our purpose in doing that is not merely to provide food for people, food that they eat at the table for people. Our purpose is to meet and encounter the entire person socially, economically, physically, and by far, most importantly, spiritually. Because we know that Christ changes lives. We don't change lives. We don't save people. Christ saves them. Christ has saved us. So our motivation must not be just for a good cause. Our motivation must be centered in the gospel. We have been freed by Christ. Freed up to do what? To do His will. To fulfill His purposes. And what Paul writes and what the gospel informs us is this. That the most important thing that you and I do or the most important thing that we can body is faith expressing itself through love. Notice, it doesn't say the most important thing that you can do is meet people's physical needs. It doesn't say that the most important thing that you do is preaching Christ to people. It says the most important thing that you do or that we do is faith expressing itself through love. So, for those of you who have been on one side and you've said, well, I believe that we just need to give them Jesus. We don't need to supply anything else. I'm going to ask you to go back and look at the Gospels because Jesus didn't show up to preach. He didn't have an altar call with the organ playing or the piano playing or band behind him. He changed people's lives as he traveled from here and there and yonder. He had no place to lay his head. He mingled with people that were the outcasts of society. He caused lame people to walk. He caused blind people to see. And he saved people like you and me. God has worked in amazing, amazing ways. The greatest thing that we can do is to be an extension of Christ in the world. Not just taking on the causes of our society, but taking on the cause of Christ. There is something that must compel us in here. It's a heart change that only Christ can provide. 
And I'm not saying that things that you do for people are helping the poor or helping the oppressed, or taking on the causes of social injustice or racial injustice or inequality. I'm not saying that those are not noble tasks. But I'm telling you that as much as the gospel speaks to those issues, the gospel is interested in the radical transformation of people's lives. You cannot put your egg in any you cannot put all your eggs in one basket except the basket of Christ. And for those of you listen, for those of you who have bought in and you know we're going to have a special prayer service the election. For those of you who have bought into the idea that the solution to our country's problems are going to be immediately solved by casting a ballot on election day, you are under a delusion. You're under a delusion. We need to vote. We need to get out. But listen, we need to empty ourselves and pursue Christ at all cost. And here's the thing. It's not about being a Democrat or Republican or Libertarian. It's not about being happy, sad, angry, indifferent. It's not about taking up Blue Lives Matter, White Lives Matter, All Lives Matter, or or, or Black Lives Matter. It's about taking up the cause of Christ. All lives matter to Him. He wants all lives to be transformed. I'm going to tell you this. His life and the lives he wants to transform are radically different than the social issues that we see propagated on the newscast. He is interested in the salvation of all people. Freedom means a lot more than we could ever ask or imagine. We have been freed up to do good things, not in order to gain affection by God, not in order to gain salvation by God, but we are doing these things as a result of the salvation that has come to rest in this soul and in this heart. A salvation that is contagious. A salvation that cannot be silent. A light has come in in the midst of our darkness. The darkness has been obliterated and we have no choice to burn brightly for Christ. We have been freed up to do fearfully and wonderful things more than we could ask or imagine. And the question today is not how is my will aligned to God's? The question today is where is God's will and let's go and pursue it wherever it shows up. We do not need to ask God to conform His will to ours. We don't need to ask God to baptize our situation. We don't need to ask God to prove our situation. We need to seek the face of God and we need to make sure that we align our lives to where He is. Two things will happen. We'll recognize just how problematic and troublesome our spirituality is. We'll recognize just how, gosh, how short we are, how broken we are. And the better part of the two is that when you and I align our lives to Him, the church grows. And listen, not just First Baptist. I don't pray daily that First Baptist grows. I pray that lost people in Elizabeth and in Johnson City Come to Christ. And I pray that they come to Christ at a local church. I want to see all Bible-believing, Christ-centered churches flourishing, blooming, planning, growing, advancing the cause of the gospel. I'm not about building a kingdom at First Baptist Church Elizabethan. I'm about advancing God's kingdom any way, any shape, or any form. Because listen, God doesn't need us, but He chooses to use us. That's the freedom that we've been given in Christ. All that matters is faith 
expressing itself through love. It's not about aligning ourselves with the Baptist faith and message. It's not about making sure that we have all our T's crossed and our I's dotted theologically. It's about advancing His cause. There is room for diversity in the body of Christ, but when it comes to understanding what Christ is, who is, what He's called us to, we must be united. We cannot waver in our commitment. And He says this, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And what does He say right about that, right after that? He says, Stand firm. We're free. Stand firm. Because when you and I stand firm, it requires us to know where we are. It requires us to plant deep roots. It requires us to bloom. Quit praying yourself out of a situation that you find yourself in. Lean into the freedom that Christ has provided and bloom where you are. If you're surrounded by lemons, turn them into lemonade. If you're surrounded by sour people, you bless people. You don't curse them. You've been given a freedom. Are we using it to advance His cause? Or are we using it for our own glory? We're not here to advance our kingdom. We're not here to build our spiritual castle. We are here in this place, in this time, in this space to advance the call of God. All that matters is faith expressing itself in love. No amount of knowledge, no amount of money, only faith that demonstrates love is all that matters. So as we offer these opportunities for you to plug in, to use your gifts and your talents... It's imperative that you understand you're not doing these things to gain God's affection. You had God's love before you ever knew Him. He loved you before you were ever born. He loved you in the womb and before. God loves you. It is not dependent upon what you do with the freedom that He's provided. It depends on the life that He has given through Christ. He has called you. He has the potential to save you. He has freed you up to do and fulfill His will. Have you answered His call? He's knocking. He's knocking. He's not going to force open the door. Let's just think about this illustration a second. Let me demonstrate this. Bear with me. No organ right now. Thank you. Okay. So he stands and he knocks at the door. He knocks loudly. He knocks clearly. He's not going to force himself in. But what he wants you to do, he wants us to open the door. And allow Him to come in. He's not going to intrude on our time. He's not going to intrude in our lives. He will only be the Lord that you want Him to be in your life. He is not going to take more time than what you want of Him. He's not going to take more of your life than what you want to give Him. But what He clearly says to us is He wants all of us. And I know what we think, well, no, God is interested, you know, when He saves us from our sin, when He gives us salvation, He's interested in my junk. He wants my junk. He wants my trash. He wants your trash. 
He wants your good. He wants your bad. He wants your ugly. He wants it all. He doesn't want to fix you or patch this or patch that or put a band-aid here or a band-aid there. He doesn't want to trim a tree or trim this bush or trim this hedge. He wants the whole bush down. He doesn't want to cap a tooth or fill a cavity. For those of you who are dentists in the room, He wants the whole tooth out. God does not want to patch up yourself. God wants to give us Himself so that His will becomes ours. That is freedom in Christ. Lastly, when we look at chapter 5, 1 through 12, there is this obstacle. He says, you were running a good race in verse 7. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? He says, that kind of persuasion does not come from the one who has called you. So we can assume it's the enemy, the devil, or someone of the devil's workers. And what I would say, what is he saying? He's saying, get ready for interruptions. Expect the unexpected. Try to plan for things that might happen. This week, I went to TJ Maxx. Okay? I bought myself a Hillary Clinton mask. Okay? Now, some of you are going to be upset because I bought a Clinton mask and not a Trump mask. I looked for both. They only had this one. Trump sold out like a heartbeat. Okay? And I promise you, you want to tune in. And I want to go ahead and give this disclaimer. By doing this, I'm not endorsing any political party. I'd never do that because you know what? The answer is not Hillary and the answer is not Trump. The answer is Jesus. Period. But I went home and I thought, because I do, I know you all don't believe me, I do an election party. I do. Presidential election, I'm up all night. I won't be here the next day for church or at least during the day. The next day is Wednesday. I'll be here Wednesday night. But I'll, I'll take off all the next day. I stay up and watch returns. I love it. I eat it up. And so I will wear this on election night. I will. I will be wearing this election night and I encourage you to come. And uh, because I couldn't get a Trump uh, mask, and I'm not willing to pay the $39.95 to give the Trump campaign to get one. And so uh, I, this week, I wore this mask, okay? Um, I was at the house. Uh, Tabby had taken Abigail. They put her in the bed and whatnot. Anderson was at the computer. And I thought, hmm, let's see what he thinks. So I put this mask on and I go up behind him and I tap him and he turns around. Listen, I got punched as hard as I could be punched by a 10 year old. Scream bloody, I mean, screamed at the, I mean, he was terrified. He doesn't like masks anyway. He doesn't like clowns, never has, doesn't like, doesn't like, I mean, any, if Abigail has a big doll or something with a big face, mm -mm, don't have anything to do with it. Cannot stand the stuff. And I didn't, realize, I didn't realize how scary you know, somebody in a mask could be. Later on in the week, he did the same thing to me, and it startled me too. But if, if I'd have known that I was going to get the result that I got, I wasn't trying to scare him. I really wasn't trying to petrify him. He was petrified. But here's the life lesson from that. We have to plan for the unexpected. You say... How do you plan for the unexpected? Trust God. You don't know the plans that God has for you. He does. You don't know what journeys our lives are going to take. 
The only thing that we know, there are three things that we know. We know our birth date. We know that eventually we're going to die. And we know that we have time in between. That's all we know. You can't do anything about your birth date. You can do very little about your death date. Although if you're smoking, I would suggest that you quit. But listen, the freedom that Christ gives is not about changing your birth. It's not about changing your death. It's about changing our lives. Changing our lives, freeing us up. And what that means is that when we have been radically changed by Jesus Christ, when the Holy Spirit is indwelled in our hearts, when He is the source of our strength, we will soar like eagles, we will run and not grow weary. He will give us a hope beyond hopes. And people, listen, people will look at us and they won't always know politically where we are. And I like that. I like that. Because sometimes I preach and someone will say, oh, I was right with you. And they're on the left. And then other days or the same day someone said, ah, you were right with me. And they're on the right. It's not about being left or right. It's about being centered in Him. It's not about being fulfilled by a party. It's by being fulfilled by a Savior. It's not about doing good things in order to gain. It's about doing good things as a result of what we've been given. His grace is sufficient. We need to trust in Him. We need to place our confidence in Him. We need to lean in Him. The enemy is working very, 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 very meticulously to interrupt us. Sometimes we turn around and we see something that we never imagined was going to happen. My son had that happen this week. It overwhelmed him. And in the overwhelming, he cried out. Sometimes what we need to do is cry out to God. Others of us need to come to the realization that interruptions are going to happen. Eventually someone or something will cut in on our attempt to keep from running and finishing the race. I love watching the Olympics. And almost, not every four years, but almost every four-year cycle, there's a runner that trips and falls. Sometimes they get injured, wow, a lot. But you know what? Rare is it that a person that's running in a race doesn't finish. And see, again, when we look at the freedom of Christ... A lot of us in our individual pursuit, we just want to finish and we want to be first. There's no award for finishing first. There's no award by leaving people behind you. There's just a reward for finishing. So instead of being focused solely 
on where you are in the race. As the church and the body of Christ, we need to be focused on where we are in the race. Some of us need to be carried. Some of us need to have our hands held. Some of us just need the right amount of encouragement to cross the finish line together. Because what Christ has done and what He's called and how He's worked is to give us freedom. We have been freed up to do His will and His purpose. And the question this morning is simply this. How do we view our freedom? How do we view our freedom? Because if we view our freedom in a minute way, we might impact people's lives. We might help people that are poor, give people food that need food, help people with water. Might help people with their electric bill, their power bill, their water bill, whatever it might be. But if the motivation of what we do does not stem from a centeredness in the gospel. In other words, if the gospel message and the gospel hope of Christ is not primary to what we do, then we're no different than a lot of other 501c3s, nonprofits. No, we are a nonprofit that has been given a mandate by Christ Himself to go out into the world to teach to baptize, and to allow, listen, to be God's instruments as He changes lives. So teacher, what are you teaching? You teaching what the state says you ought to teach? You teaching what Elizabethan tells you you ought to teach? Now I know I'm getting ready to step on toes. Here's the reality. You teach with what you have to teach You ethically need to do what you've been hired to do. But listen, do it in such a way as a follower of Christ that you impact lives even outside the church. Be an instrument of His grace. Be an instrument of His peace. Serve well, but do it with the capacity. You own your own business? Serve under the Lordship of Christ Make the gospel the center of that business. Not so that your business can grow. Not so that you can create more money for yourself. But so His kingdom can be advanced. You're a student. You have a responsibility to do well. You play a sport. You have a responsibility for your team to practice and to do well. But do so in such a way that you impact lives as you go along. Because, listen, you're not, you and I are not just Christians on Sunday morning or on Wednesday night. We're supposed to be Christians consistently every day. The freedom that we've been given is not that we can harbor it to do what we want for ourselves. The freedom that we've been given is to demonstrate our faith through love. How do we view our freedom? Is Christ at the center? Is the gospel at the center? Have we put anything in place of the King of Kings? The Bible says, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, confess Him with your mouth, believe in your heart, that God raised Jesus from the dead, you'll be saved. 
Look at the simplistic nature of the gospel. You confess with your mouth, you believe with your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you'll be saved. Anybody ever adds anything to that? It's a false gospel. God has acted through the person of Jesus Christ to give us opportunity, to give us hope. We don't need to add any other yoke, any other items, any other hoops to jump through. All we need is Jesus. All that God wants to see demonstrated in our lives is faith demonstrated through love. That's how... When it comes to the end, some people could say, what do you mean I'm not a Christian? What do you mean I'm not a follower of you? I preached in your name. I help people. And Jesus will say, away from me. I never knew you. Because it's not about doing things. It's about being. It's about embodying His truth, His life that's in Christ. The freedom that we've been given is we have been freed up to advance His kingdom to demonstrate His love in real and personal ways. This morning, if you don't know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you're here this morning and you say, you know, I've wandered away. I've gotten off the beaten path. Something has interrupted me. Something has interrupted my race. Something has interrupted my walk. And I just need to reorient myself. I need to kind of recenter myself in Christ. We want to give you the opportunity. If you're here this morning and you've come to First Baptist and uh, over a period of time you've recognized, you know what, this is, I believe this is where God wants me to serve. I believe this is where God wants me to plant roots that I'm going to use the words of Scripture and say to you, uh, just as the Apostle Paul, it is for freedom that you've been set free. Stand firm with us. Stand firm with us. Share the hope that's within you as we continue to advance His kingdom, advance His causes, and as He changes one life at a time. And what we'll find by serving Him, what we'll find by trusting in Him is this, that sometimes the life that Christ wants to change is ours. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for today, and Lord, as we come in this time of invitation, as we sing about your amazing grace and how our chains are gone, our chains are gone for the purposes of your kingdom. Father, forgive us for being so easily interrupted by things that happen in our lives. May we be recentered in you. For the one that prays today and says, Lord, I need you. I want to accept Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. I want to make him at the heartbeat of, of, of hearts what I need to do. I want to make him at the center of my life. I want to surrender the good, the bad, the ugly, and all of myself to him. If that's someone's prayer today, Lord, you hear from heaven. You heal their land. Father, today, if there's someone that needs to recommit themselves, recenter, God, we want to give that opportunity. If there's someone that needs to become an integral part of the body of Christ here at First Baptist Church, we also want to give them an opportunity. And for others who are struggling, for others who are praying, in these moments of invitation, you're inviting us to experience you. You're inviting us to celebrate the life that is in Christ. You are calling us to freedom. Freedom. Forgive us, God, for being so tied down. The chains that bind us, the chains that have bound us are never as heavy 
as the chains from which we've been freed. Lord, as we accept your forgiveness, the sufficiency of your grace, the power and the work of the Holy Spirit in these moments, may you find us faithful as we demonstrate our faith in love. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you're here this morning, we invite you to come during this invitation. This altar is open for those of you who have needs, for those of you who just need to pour your hearts out to God. Uh, For those that need to accept Christ or things, if you would like me to pray with you, I'm here being more than happy to pray with you. But you, you have the freedom in this moment. Use this freedom for God's purpose as He's spoken to you, as the Holy Spirit speaks to you, as He guides you. Make the right decision. Do the right thing. This altar's open as an extension and as a part of our worship. Let's stand and let's sing.